Hello and welcome to the Remarkable CEO Podcast, a show dedicated to chiropractors who want to transform their job into a business so that they can have a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life, not instead of one. With your hosts, Dr. Pete Camiolo and Dr. Stephen Franson. What's up, Remarkables? Hey, this is Dr. Stephen Franzen. Welcome to a special episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Uh, I'm here with one of, uh, number one, one of my good friends who's an awesome chiropractor. Uh, he's a phenomenal CEO uh, and he has run multiple successful businesses that I'm going to let him talk to you about. And he's also in our Remarkable CEO program. Uh, his docs, his crew, his team are part of our remarkable community. Uh, so everybody, welcome, Dr. Eric Kowalki. What's up, Eric? Good to see you here, man. Good to see you guys, too. I love being part of this crew and uh, excited to get to know more people in this group. Right on. So you know this group well because you're one of them. You know who you're talking to. This is These are the remarkable CEOs. Uh, so we're going to have a conversation. We're going to have a CEO conversation, right? So you're a guy who has um, proven that you've got the chops to be a great CEO um, in multiple businesses. Right now, actually, you are riding two horses, right? So you've got two big businesses going on, big practice, and then a big, uh, dare I call it a software business? It's a software service, right? So uh, exactly. I'm going to talk about SCED in a minute to help people understand a little bit more of what you're doing. Um, and I want to make sure that our listeners, listeners hear this right now. Uh, this is not a commercial for SCED, uh, but I'm going to encourage Eric to uh, promote it as much as he can and tell us about it because I love SCED. And, you know, our purpose in, in the remarkable practice is to help more people help more people. And I know that we're aligned there, Eric, because your software, your service is awesome. Uh, and it, it's definitely a, a tool that we advocate for because I've seen it in action. We have tons of our doctors that are using it and everybody's psyched about it. So uh, feel free to uh, promote it at will. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, who are you? Where are you from? Where'd you go to school? How long have you been a chiropractor? Where are your practices? Tell us about the practice a bit. Tell us about Skip. Yeah. So uh, my name's Eric Kowalki, as you know now. Uh, I graduated from Life University in 2011. I have a beautiful wife and six children now 13, 11, 9, 7, 5, and 2. And uh, three boys and like girls. <laughs> We live in Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. So we have a practice in the south side of Grand Rapids, Michigan. I was a, a mechanical engineer back in the day first, working on diesel engines for Cummins Engine Corporation. Uh, long story, figured out I wanted to do something else after I was there. And uh, I love that chiropractic could change people's lives. That's, that's the main reason I got into it. Um, after being in the engineering world, I realized that, you know, you can't see the end result of what you're working on and what you're doing on a daily basis. And you can with chiropractic. So I switched professions after two years as an engineer. I went back to life university, worked part-time as an engineer while I was in school there, had two kids moved to Michigan and my wife and I opened higher health chiropractic in 2011, March, 2000 or August, 2011 was actually when we opened our doors, August 1st. Uh, so we're just over 10 years in practice. Awesome. We've expanded twice we went from 1300 square feet so we started that office in 1300 square feet we negotiated the rent at five dollars a square foot and uh we had no i also negotiated the x-ray unit so we, we were basically debt free from the start of this thing 
And we grew to a thousand a week with just me and three team members and Shannon in 1300 square feet with three adjusting rooms, one exam room that uh, was also in the x-ray room and then one more exam room. And then we expanded from there, hired uh, two associates and went to 2,600 square feet. And now we have three full-time, one part-time. We're in 4,600 square feet with eight adjusting rooms, 16 tables, and five exam rooms and a team of 16 now. Um, and we have a COO, Jason, who's phenomenal, who runs the entire practice that I wouldn't be able to do on a daily basis. Um, and then we started a software company five years ago, SCED. So five years into practice, we realized if we wanted to keep making a huge impact and do something that we've never seen done before, we needed a better, better system and better automation um, and u- utilize technology in a way that we weren't currently doing it. And it didn't exist yet. So we had to go create it. So we created SCED to help us leverage our time and create efficiency in the office to allow us to see and help more people. Love it, man. Love it. So two very successful businesses. And, you know, I, I love this. I love the SCED story and, you know, I, I love the product. Um, you know, the purpose of a business is to solve a problem for another person, right? So I find that some of the best businesses are just birthed from pain, right? So, you know, you've got an itch, you've got a scratch, or you just keep running into these barriers or these gaps with existing services or just you're like, man, we just need a better way to do this. Is that the story behind SCED for you? I'm just guessing it's just like seeing the way this thing runs. It's like, I mean, you were just solving all the problems you had. Is that right? It's exactly right. Yeah, we, we, uh, we were getting way too many phone calls and we were missing phone calls in the middle of the shift because we didn't have enough team members to answer the phone. And we only were in 1300 square feet, so we didn't have enough space to hire any more team members. So we needed a better solution. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm in the throes right now. You know, I've got multiple businesses and one of our businesses is Chiro Matchmakers, which is a specialized placement service for chiropractors looking to hire associate doctors and office managers and CAs and marketing people, et cetera. Um, and as we're, we've grown, I think we 5X the business in 2020, tripled it in 2019 or 2021. Uh, I mean, it's been an extraordinary journey. Uh, and, but what we found is we were trying to like scale through people and we've just recognized really quickly, we need to be scaling through technology, right? So, you know, without a doubt, there's lots of ways to gain leverage and create scalability. Um, obviously technology is, I won't say it's the most cost-effective or the easiest way to do it, but it, it's obviously gets you the most juice for the squeeze, right? So it almost, once you slay that technology dragon, you almost become infinitely scalable, right? That stops being the reason you won't grow. So, you know, uh, in light of that, you know, talking to CEOs right now, like, like what, uh, you know, like if you were to say three bullets, like what does SCED do for you? In other words, what, what three uh, problems do you solve for me? That's a great question. Um, we solve about 50 problems for you. Why are we even such a better question? <laughs> Um, I'd say the biggest one is convenience for your patients because people's lives are more convenient now than they have ever been before. You can literally order all of your food, all of your drinks, all of your groceries, all of your clothing, all of your basic necessities through an app on your phone. Either somebody delivers it to you or you just go and pick it up without even interacting with somebody. That's people's normal life now. So if we can make chiropractic care very similar to how they run the rest of their life, because if it's very different, then it becomes 
uh, it becomes friction in their life and it becomes hard to do. And I think when we see people drop out of care, it's not that they can't afford it and it's not that they don't value it. Sometimes as chiropractors, we feel like we always have to convince everybody. And then you get people that are like, doc, you don't need to convince me. I'm, I'm, I, I totally buy into it. I just can't do it. I just can't make it happen with my life and my schedule and my kids and everything else. It's a, it's a huge blind spot for most chiros when they forget, right? Because we're so committed to getting adjusted. Um, yeah. You know, we, we forget that people are always looking for the exit, right? They're always looking for how can I get what I want for the least amount of investment of time, energy, focus, and money, right? You have to be thinking like that. Remember, Eric, we're having a CEO conversation right now. This is brass tacks. It's like, listen, you're, you're losing patients because it's too hard to stay under care, right? So we're not going to position this as we're trying to make something that's hard, you know, being a chiropractic patient that's coming in two or three times a week. We're not going to try to make something that's hard easy, but we have to make something that's hard easier, okay? So convenience is number one. I get that. So we make it more convenient for your patients to be a patient, become a patient, stay under care, right? So what's number two? Communication. I'd say back in the day when we used to communicate with people, we would print off like a letter or a flyer and mail it to them and say, we haven't seen you in two weeks, you know, and it would show up in their mailbox, which might be a good thing to do nowadays now they're going back to that. But then we got email and nobody reads email yet. So now we look at communication. The average person is, is picking up their phone 200 times a day. They're literally picking it up 200 times a day. The average person spends seven hours with their device on an average day. And the, the, they're looking at it four hours a day, looking at the screen. So if we can leverage the fact that their lifestyle already has this device, now we can communicate educational material to them. We can communicate information about our office to them. We can communicate marketing material right. about our office to them in an automated way that triggers based off of actions in the office. So if they arrive in the clinic, send them this you know gift to health that we're doing for this month while they're waiting in my waiting room and they're on their phone anyways, or right after they leave, you know, you can time all that stuff. And now SCED just allows us to automate all those little things to just make the experience a little bit better and communicate way more effectively than we were before. Okay. So let me double click on a couple of things you just said there. So, you know, we've gone through these evolutions of communication, right? And here's the truth is every wildly successful chiropractic practice that I've ever coached or seen or been a part of or whatever they always have one thing in common and that's communication, good patient education or good communications, both, right? So they're, they're kind of kissing cousins, right? So, you know, we've seen this evolution in communication, you know, we had smoke signals and then we started sending pigeons, right? And we had the Pony Express, right? So then we had snail mail and, you know, and then, you know, we had email, right? So an email had a season, right? And then it went to like social media, everything, social media, so that had a season, right? And then it's texting, right? So texting and push notifications, that is the season we're in right now. And this is going to be a window. Everybody's already seen it, right? We're starting to get this, you know, uh, you know, a deluge of these unwanted text messages that we inadvertently sign up for. So you get 10% off of the next t-shirt we want to buy, whatever it is, right? So, you know, we're all subject to it. But right now you guys are in that bullseye of that patient communication. And I know you, you're very innovative. So, you know, you're already probably two steps ahead of that, which is great. But right now, CEOs, listen up. You better be communicating with your patients through text. Number two thing you said there was automation and making sure that these things are automated. Listen, gang, you looking for leverage, you have to embrace automation. If you want true scalability and durability, you have to embrace automation. You know, as a CEO, you should be constantly seeking leverage, right? That's what we're always looking for. We're always looking for leverage. 
And automation is a massive leverage point, especially when you're using technology. So you're not relying on your team or God forbid yourself to remember to communicate with somebody, remember to educate people, what have you. Every single part of that needs to be automated. All right, I'm buying you time here with this little color commentary, Eric. What's number three, man? What's the third problem you solve with this? Um, I think it's it's reducing the number of steps and, and making it easier for new patients and easier for, for your current patients to, to come in. So this is how I think of this is we looked at how many steps and this came out of pure testing because we created this new patient portal and we wanted to see our conversion rates from, you know, a guy sitting at home on Netflix on Sunday goes to your website. How many steps does it have to take before he's actually in your practice? And ours was way too many. I mean, he was requesting an appointment. We were had to call him on Monday and then we had to email him paperwork and then you had to print it off and fill it out and scan it in. And set. there was like 18 steps. So our conversion was horrible. And, and even the people that did show up, very few of them actually did all of the things we wanted them to do in the order that we wanted to do them, which in, in, inherently creates not a great experience for them. And it becomes a hassle, which is why we're not converting people. And so we got that down to six steps from, from the moment they go to our website, click on schedule a new patient all the way in. And then the other part of that with existing new patients is you look or existing people coming into your office and, and long-term practice members, uh, what do they have to do to actually come in? They have to remember they have an appointment. It has to fit within their schedule. They have to drive to your office. They have to check in. They have to wait in your waiting room. They have to go to the adjusting room. They have to check in there. They have to get adjusted. And then their way out, they have to like confirm when their next appointment is, make sure it still works with their calendar and their schedule, and then get that on their schedule and leave. So if we can <laughs> we just broke each one of those little things down and say, okay, well, how do we integrate this into their Gmail calendar and iCal or whatever they use for their lifestyle? How do we make that as simple and easy as possible for them? Man, I love that. So when I meet with my marketing team or whenever we coach or teach marketing in the remarkable practice, I always say, your marketing program right now or your marketing plan looks like, you know, American Ninja. You know, if you ever watched somebody, it's like, you know, they run across those movie things, they have to jump from the ring to ring, right? Yeah. Climb the wall to get into your practice. And it's like, if you imagine right now, that's what your marketing process is like. You know, your people, your prospects, your leads have to go successfully navigate through like the decathlon of death, the gauntlet that is American Ninja. We need to make it so it's like jumping off a diving board into a pool, right? So cannonball coming, right? So you got to try to reduce it like one, two, three steps, big, and they're in the pool, right? So, you know, ultimately I love the idea of just compressing the steps down because every single step is treacherous. You have to understand, it's like you just counted up. There's 11 steps to get into your practice. Guess what? Those are 11 barriers. There are 11 yes. obstacles. There's 11 opportunities for them to fall into a gap, right? So, all right, love it. I'm sold. I'm in. Skid's awesome. And, uh, no, I honestly, man, I'm having some fun with you, but I love the software. Here's the truth, man. As a coach, anyone that makes it easier for new patients to come through the front door is my best friend. <laughs> so, so as a coach, right? So it's like, you know, new patients through the front door. It, this is like sunshine and rain to a landscaper, right? Every landscaper looks like a genius if there's sunshine and rain, right? Same thing with coaching, man. Our lives get easier. We can coach these doctors to success so much faster if they've got new patients coming through the front door, right? So, man, on behalf of all of us, we appreciate you to make it easier. <laughs> and then, you know, easier for them to convert, easier for them to retain, et cetera, right? So you're, you're hitting all, you're, tech, you're ticking all the boxes, buddy. Mm -hmm.
Here's a few words from our newest podcast sponsors. We're grateful for their support of the show. Cairo Matchmakers will help you find the right person for the job. If you're looking to hire the ideal chiropractic assistant, Cairo Matchmakers will help you find the specific person missing from your team so that you can get back to using your talents to serve more people. Or if you're looking to hire the ideal associate doctor, CMM can help. Cairo Matchmakers helps chiropractors like you find the ideal associate doctor to unlock your practice potential and get you the freedom that you desire. To learn more, go to chiromatchmakers.com. And now let's jump right back into our conversation. All right. So, um, so everybody, you know, you're listening to a guy who has been successful multiple times and has continued success across multiple, really, let's consider them industries, right? So there's, a, there's the private practice, the brick and mortar chiropractic office, and then also uh, you know, a very disparate industry, the software industry, a SaaS, uh, you know, software as a service industry. Um, these are totally different animals, right? But you've had tremendous success, multiple seven-figure businesses across the board, and you're leading both of those as a CEO. So, you know, I want to grill you, man. I want to troubleshoot this thing. You know where I'm going with it. You know, I'm pulling out my Rubik's Cube, right? So this, you know, in the remarkable practice, we teach the six sides of the Rubik's Cube, the Rubik's Cube of practice success, these six sides, these are the six sides you have to solve. You have to solve all six sides of this thing to actually enjoy the sustained success that you've been, you guys have been enjoying, right? So, you know, let's start with vision, right? So uh, what, how critical is vision and having that compelling, clear vision story for you first and for your team so you can recruit them into action and help them, uh, you know, help you manifest your vision of success? Yeah, I mean, this, this is, something I've just learned the hard way. You know, I, I feel like um, for a long time, I wasn't good at explaining the vision, but I was very good at executing. And so the people around me were just like, we have no idea where we're going or how we're going to get there. But as long as we're on his team, we're, something great's going to happen, you know? But then eventually they get to a point where they're like, um, the only way I can see us growing is working harder and there's no way I could possibly work any harder than I'm doing. So I'm going to quit and go somewhere else or do something else or change careers. Um, and then you lose total momentum in your business and you learn the hard way. Like, man, we really gotta, um, we really gotta make sure they know that's not that, you know, when it's too late, you know, that, that was my mistake is people made that decision and I should have been more proactive at casting that vision for our company and the vision for them as a, as in their career with our organization so that they knew like, that's the direction that we're going. And I think that's, um, that's something that we've just learned, learned the hard way, but great people. Uh, I think the biggest lesson I've learned through all of this is great people are really hard to find that, <laughs> that have the heart and, and are on board with your mission and we can train them we can teach them the, the nuts and bolts of what they need to do. But if you can find the really authentic, genuine uh, people with integrity, um, I'll just be super generous and bend over backwards to um, make sure that our organization is providing all of their, all of the, all the things they need to succeed and, and be excited about being part of it. Yeah, no question, man. So, you know, having that clear picture, the, you know, a players, they demand it. They require it. They won't tolerate not having it. Right. So 
um, they don't want to work for a laborer. They want to work for a leader, right? So if you, you know, if you recognize to go from laborer to leader, a key component there is you have to be able to not just create a vision or host a vision. You need to be able to cash the vision, right? So you need to be able to make sure that they they can see what you see so you can recruit them into the manifestation of that vision. And A players just require that. There's nothing more painful than losing A players. Maybe just tolerating B and C players. Yes. Maybe that's more painful. So, so all right. So there's, there's something else with vision, though. I think when you start out in practice, your vision usually is some is something somebody else has already created, right? There's okay. a practice that you're like, man, if I could create their practice. <clears throat> That's, that's what I'm doing. And you can see it. You can see how many team members they have. You can see their roles. You can see how their meeting structure and rhythm is. You can see how do they adjust? How do they process people? All of that. And then you get there if you're successful enough to scale and delegate and automate and everything else. You get to the level of the people that you wanted to strive for. And then the hard part is, is having a vision for something that you've never seen before, nobody's ever created. And then realizing the rest of your team has never seen that either. You know, cause we used to travel around and we'd bring our whole team to offices that we wanted to learn from and they would, they would see it. And I mean, we go back Monday, everything was different. You know, we would like, as soon as they saw it. So the power of them seeing it, we realized was so massive. And so now talking about a vision, a vision for something that you're going to create that nobody's ever done before takes so much more of your uh, focus so that you can paint that picture for them. Exactly. So right. That they can see it as clearly as they could walk into another office and see that five years ago. It's exactly, it's a new skill set, right? So it, one thing to uh, have the capacity and the ability to be creative. And to have the aspirations to be able to say, let's go next level. Let's go to a place where no man has gone before, right? Yeah. But to be able to convey that message to others so you can recruit. Otherwise, you end up with the dynamic you were talking about before, which is what I call drafting. Like if you've ever been in a bike race, you know, next thing you know, you get a team of people that are drafting behind you. And you're pumping your legs and that's called brute force, right? So they're never going to be able to get out and around you, right? So that, I mean, we should be hiring people that are better at what they do than we would if we were in their seat, right? So that's the only way to get to next level. And that's just good leadership. So perfect segue into leadership. So, you know, to do what you're doing requires um, a, a great leader, right? So what is, you know, how critical is this? And you know, what are some of the attributes, some of the muscles that you had to develop? I mean, what are the things you used to suck at that you're just like, man, where I am right now as a leader is not going to be sufficient. I'm not going to be able to attract and sustainably lead this next iteration of my organization. You know, for the rest of the mortals on the line here, it's like, where, where did you struggle? Like, where was the, where was the deficiency or toxicity? You're like, man, I need to reconcile that. Well, I, I had my wife who is also a, a, rock star human being as my co-pilot the first yes, she is. first five six years in practice like all the time so i just got to be the guy that having the great time and everything positive and she got to be the hammer that just disciplined everybody and like all the hard negative conversations i never had to have any of those because i was always like oh yeah it's gonna be great no worries like i was just always positive uh almost to a fault. Like sometimes you need to be direct. I would say 
Um, I use the wrong terminology there. You can be positive and direct. I think I was positive and indirect. Uh, and I created confusion around policies and procedures and systems and expectations. That's right. Um, and that caused that caused a, a rife between me and her, you know, sometimes because she'd be like, Eric, this can't happen like this. I'm like, well, I told them that we shouldn't do it that way. Like, yeah, but they're still doing it. So obviously you didn't tell them. I'm like, well, I did tell them, but I didn't, must not have told them very directly, you know? And so I was just forced into that as she stepped out and I'm still getting better at that. Cause I just like everybody to get along. I guess I'm a little low on confrontation, but um, when I, when I'm really on and I'm really good at that and I have clarity in my mind going into conversations, how to communicate that effectively uh, it empowers me and it empowers the person I'm communicating to, which in turn drives the organization forward. That's great. That's great. Well, as you're saying this, you know, it's a podcast. So there's a bunch of people closing their eyes, nodding their head right now. Hopefully they're just not driving. Right. Because they're like, yeah, man, that's me, what you're describing right now. And it really goes back to one of um, the laws of the jungle when it comes to team building. Right. So in the remarkable practice, we teach that you don't have to be awesome at everything. You have to, you have to create a team that's awesome at everything right? You have to build a team that's awesome at everything. And at the top of that team, the leadership team is the CEO and COO, right? And they are a yin and yang, right? And that, that polarity that exists with the, with the CEO and the COO, that dynamic, man, it's supercharged and it's super challenging. And you both bring two different elements to that relationship and to the, to the business, right? So there's a, there's a good cop, bad cop dynamic, right? So there's one that has a tendency to be more relational. The other tends to be more transactional. Visionaries tend to be more on the relational side. CEOs tend to be more hardwired on the transactional side. None of these are positive. None of these are negative, right? So it's all these are necessary. These are elements as positive and negative charged, right? So to really make this work properly. So, you know, you have to, you have to work alongside, you have to bring on board, you have to develop and appreciate the complement personality, like what you just described. And that's why so many successful parents, you know, why they're attracted to each other in the first place. And like you guys have this beautiful family and you're able to run that cat circus with, you know, six kids. And it's like, you do it elegantly because you both, you both bring something to the home that's very different, right? And I think we recognize that at home. It's harder to recognize the value of that at the office and, and work. So you really do have to have your complement component. Now, that doesn't give you the pass either, Eric, right? So as CEOs, we don't get the pass to have wonky communications, right? We have to have like you said, direct and clear expectations and agreements, right? So we don't just get the past to misbehave by any means, but we do, do need to recognize that the healthiest dynamic is that yin and yang of CEO and COO and how most practices, I can put my finger on it and I can tell you, you're either missing that visionary CEO leadership style or you're missing that COO leadership style, right? So I think you guys probably have created this beautiful compliment and she just trained you up and, and uh, she knocked your edges off and got you ready for Jason that you have now in the COO position. And don't we appreciate our COOs, right? So it's like, thank heavens you're here. I'll lead the business. You run the business. Yes. I mean, so, so for those of you guys out there that don't have a, C, a COO, um, man, that, that's probably one of the biggest transitions. I mean, if I had to say, what's the lever we moved in the last five years that really you know, increased our business. COO, Jason, 
single-handedly, hands down, no questions. Like for sure, that was the biggest move. So if you're out there like wondering, you know, if I should do it, when I should do it, for sure do it. And this was a this was a God thing. Like we just prayed, uh, we prayed specifically for this. Jason is my brother-in-law, worked in the oil industry, managed multi-million dollar business and tons of people. And then we like convinced him to go be a chiropractor. <laughs> and like three of my other brother-in-laws, and he ended up going, he was in pre-recs for chiropractic school in Minnesota. And we were on our way to a conference. He was flying down there. We were on a, and we were on the MARTA in Atlanta. And we're like, Shannon's like, I wonder if he would be a great operations manager. That's what we called it at the time. I'm like, I think he probably would. Let's ask him. And within six months, he was in our office, had trained in an office. So he had no, he trained in an office that we knew where he lived in Minnesota, which was kind of unique. We knew them. They were interned in our office. He went there, trained on all the systems and procedures, tested out of all that stuff. So when he came to our practice, he pretty much knew how to do all of those things. And so he could come in with a little bit, um, you know, a leadership style because he knew the pain points that the C's were suffering from. That's our story on how we got there. So smart. So smart. I enjoy working with Jay. He's in our COO program now with, and you're in our CEO, CEO program. So it's fantastic to watch you guys work together and just recognize it's like literally that COO runs the business, which frees you up to lead the business. And there's a distinction there, right? So he runs the team while you lead the team. He runs the patients while you lead the patients, right? So I mean, it's, a, it's just a totally different experience for you. So even though you've increased the capacity for the business to grow and go, so it's building, but it's not at the expense of your life, your, your time freedom and your peace of mind and all those things that make a remarkable life, right? So it's actually one of those investments that you make that it's actually grows the business and simultaneously your life gets better. So, you know, that, that brings us to really our third point, our third side of the Rubik's Cube, which is systems, right? How critically important. I mean, I know you're like me, you're a systems guy. So how critically, because you've done it both ways, right? So you've run it on brute force, talent and passion. And then all of a sudden you recognize, man, that's a horrible way to run a business. How critically important is our systems? Yeah, I mean, this This is, um, I, I don't think we're, I don't know if there's ever, we're ever going to get there or we're ever going to arrive at like, we have all the perfect systems. Like, you know, there's always a better way and there's always, there's always somewhere that you need to improve, you know, like the Rubik's Cube. It, it's never always, it's never the perfect thing as soon as it is, it moves. Um, but what we've found is, Systems create uh, reproducibility and reproducibility um, creates an opportunity for you to really scale and it creates predictability. And if you have predictability, then you know when to hire the next people and when to add another office and when to do all of the other stuff. And you can, it, it helps the CEO cast the vision because you have something that's predictable and reproducible through the systems that you created. And that's all of that is just the building blocks of creating the vision that you need to actually achieve whatever it is that you can achieve and communicate that to your team. Yeah, man, it's beautiful. Uh, I mean, reproducible, predictable, positive outcomes. That's the key to this, right? So, and the ability to delegate, right? Cause you can't, if you don't systematize things, you can't delegate them. Right. Uh, and really Eric, the biggest challenge when I'm working with, uh, doctors who want to become CEOs, right? So most of them are pretty successful or they have enjoyed some level of success, but they've enjoyed levels of success as an owner operator, 
right? So they're the one that's doing all the work, right? And then it's time to like bring in another doctor, let's bring in an associate doctor or what have you. And they're like, I want to ascend to the CEO position. It's like, okay, so you got to recognize that, you know, you are by nature not scalable. You're not durable because you're winging it, you know, like, so the king of wing, everybody's a king of wing, you know, and it's like, man, you, you, you might be successful and good at what you do, but the king of wing owns a job. Right. So if you want to turn this job into a business, you have to embrace systems. Right. So that you can create that scalability and more importantly, durability. It can be done even in your absence. So, you know, that brings us to who's doing the systems. Right. Which is my favorite topic, which is team. Um, you know, in short, you know, I, I think your business is your team. Your team is your business. You know, what's been your experience? So before I go to team, I want to say that last part of systems and bringing out a, a, a COO and associate and scaling is so much work. I, I think the average chiropractor is kind of burnt up by the time that they're like, oh, I should do something different than what I'm doing because they should have done it two years ago or five years ago. And so then they hire the associate or they hire the CEO and they think they're like, oh, I got them. <laughs> It's like, and, and you just couldn't be more wrong with that. You know, you, you couldn't be farther from actuality. And so if your expectation is that you're going to be grossly disappointed, the, the expectation really is you have a, a year or two ahead of you that you're working harder than you ever worked because now you're doing all that you were doing. Plus you have to create systems and reproducibility and stick to those and train somebody to do those in order to enjoy the fruits and the scale and the durability after that. I think that's just, bro. that is just, you preach on, man. That is the truth. I mean, you know, we've got our remarkable associate doctor program. So people come to us all the time. Hey, I'm thinking about bringing on an associate doctor or I'm just uh, interviewing associates or I've just hired an associate. Right. And then after about a five minute conversation, I realized, Oh, you're, Oh, you're that couple that was really struggling and you were thinking about separating and maybe getting a divorce. And you're like, you know what? I've got an idea. Let's have a child. <laughs> that'll, that'll fix everything. It's going to get so much better than right. It's like, uh, no, 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 no. Hold on. Uh, so there's another life involved here now. Right? Yes. So, so, you know, it's so, it's so true, man. It's like, it's a prerequisite for somebody to bring on, you know, bring on an associate doctor. You could bring in a COO to help you get there. And if that's the order I recommend doing is like, man, make your ascension, right? So bring your back office CA into office manager, take your office manager, turn it into a COO. Then in that process, bring in the associate doctor and let them help you, you know, systematize, organize reporting systems, meeting rhythms. And that way, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have a great experience because they're going to have a much better and more positive and productive experience. So, all right, yes. we're right, we're right back to people again. Yes. Oh man, team. I, I love our team. I mean, I, I love every person in there is just such a great genuine person I, I i lead by uh freedom i mean i, I value freedom and so um i, I think I, I naturally have a a gift of recognizing you know now that we know the pro scans we know conformance and dominance and you know all of that stuff it makes it, it's just a tangible word and you've got x-ray vision now yeah objective that you can put to it but I think for a long, I've always been good at reading people and recognizing like when they're stressed out and just creating a really fun culture. We work really hard in our office. I mean, we process 120 new patients a month. We see 1,500 visits a week. 
you know, we have four team members out sick this week. We're probably, we really need to hire four more team members, two more doctors. And so we're pretty like skeletal staff for what we're running. And um, it's still fun. Like you walk yeah. in there and, and it's a great time. Like we're having a great time. We got to buy them coffees or we got to do whatever we got to do. And I think it's important to just sit down and have authentic conversations with people, you know, like just be like, Hey, how's it going? Like, what's your, what, what's stressing you out? You know, even with the associate docs, I'm kind of, I'm kind of more relational where I'm like, are your student loans stressing you out? Like what, what's stressing you out in life? Like, how can I help you yep. solve that problem? You're, you're giving so much to this business. Um, I see it as yours just as much as it is mine. My name's on the owner, but this place wouldn't exist if you were, if you were part of it. So good. Uh, so so good. that's kind of culture. Culture is awesome. And, and, you know, I, I tell people, if you, if you, if you don't like team building, you're not going to like building business building. You know, you've got, you've got to really, you've got to fall in love with team building and recognize that that is business building. And, you know, I think our role as a CEO, as a leader is to create an environment where it's easier for people to be successful with us than without us. And, you know, ultimately your barometer there is, are they, are your people successful? Right. So especially when we're talking about associate doctors, you know, this is just such a critical component of just creating the remarkable business, right? So creating that environment where it's easier for people to be successful with you, more successful with you than without you. And, you know, I would argue that, you know, I don't want to play favorites here, but if I were to pick my favorite side of the Rubik's Cube, I would say this is my favorite side because we all know you can get the other five sides right. If this one's not right, it's going to screw up the other five sides. Yeah. But if you get this one side right, you can then solve the other five sides, right? So yeah. it brings us to training, right? So you bring in your people, okay? And you know my philosophy around this. It's the highest and best use of your time, you know, as a leader to make the investment of time, energy, focus, and money into training your people. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that leaders should be looking for ways to invest in training and developing your team. I know that you're the same way. How has this changed your business? Yeah, um, I'm going to mention one more thing on the team. <laughs> Go back to that for a second. Uh, what I see with a lot of docs is they they have the uh, order of events flipped in their mind on how things should happen as far as when to hire the next person. They, they think, well, once I get to this point, then I'm going to bring on this person. And in reality, they either never get to that point because they don't have the person or it takes them five times longer to get there because they're just doing it all on their own. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. you needed this person so long ago. And so for me- And then they still hire, at, but that hire is a replacement of the person that's quitting in the journey to get to that next point, right? It's exactly. Like, and I, I, you know, this stresses my wife out sometimes back in the day. because I, I would never look to see if we could afford to hire somebody. And never once. It was always, I'm always hiring- and if I find an awesome person, I'll hire you. Like, cause you'll, you'll pay for yourself times 10. I never looked at it like a, how much are we paying them? When can we afford it? It was always, I'm always, and I think I'm still that way today. I, I'm always hiring. If I can find an awesome person, um, there's a role that you could fit on that team. So Man, I, I, I hope if, if you're, if for our listeners right now, I think that's the most valuable two minutes of this whole conversation right there. What, what you just said, Dr. Eric. So you know, the essence of becoming a leader, a CEO, I mean, we sound different, right? So when you're talking to an owner operator, uh, you know, as you said, the owner operator looks at hiring a person and it's like, oh man, can I spend the money? 
it's an expense. I'm taking on the cost. I see the payroll go up and my overhead and my profit go down. That's an owner operator. A CEO says, I have goals that I'm looking to reach. And to get to that next level to the next goal, I'm going to need to invest my money and buy somebody else's time, energy, focus, and talent to get me there. They recognize that in order to achieve my goal, I need to make the investment to get me there. And we are constantly surveying and looking for trying to poach other awesome people and bring them into our business. Like, do you like your job? Do you love your job? <laughs> it's like, come on in. You're awesome. I want to hire you. All right. So, and then once you hire great people, training, you know, how yeah. important is that to the culture of your businesses? Yeah, man, this is, I'm, I'm still, I'm still learning this one. I mean, I, I think we have, I don't know, out of both businesses, we probably have 35, 40 team members. Um, and so we, we've gotten a, you know, I don't want to say I don't, we do a lot of training. I, I just don't, it just never ends. So I'm always looking for an, another opportunity. But what I found where we've really been able to just leverage and 10x our growth is when I can find somebody else that's the best at it or an absolute expert to, to pour into my team or my key players. And sometimes it's stuff that you already know, you know, as a doc, I mean, they went through a season. I'm like, I'm telling you guys to do this this way and you're not doing it the way that I want you to do it. And then somebody else comes along at a conference or a call or a podcast and says the exact same thing I've been telling them. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you know, like, what do we, what do we get out of that? And they, and they say whatever it was, you're like, Oh my gosh, I've been trying to tell you that forever. But sometimes you just got to hear it from somebody else in a different way, in a different context, or even in a different environment to receive it so that they can pour that back out on the office. And so I think that's another one where I don't really, I don't nickel and dime that. Like if there's a, if there's a leadership event that this person, I'm going to raise them up into a leadership position and then go learn accountability and they can learn expectations and agreements and at a conference as somebody who's there the best at it, I don't care what it costs. I don't care if it's $5,000 and I got to fly into there. It's going to be worth it. Yeah. It's outsourcing, right? It's leveraging. It's like, okay, so you do this, you focus on this and you're an expert at this and I can hire you to do it. So I don't have to do it and you're going to do it better than me and it's going to free up my time. Yes. It's like that is literally the key. CEOs, listen, this is the key to it. It's you have to look for leverage. The best way to leverage your money is to buy back your time, right? So it's like, okay, so you do this professionally. You're going to do it better than I do. You're going to get a better outcome for my business than I own. And I can hire you to do it so I don't have to do it. Man, it's like hiring somebody to mow your lawn. It's like, okay, so you'll spend four hours riding around my property and mowing my lawn so I don't have to. It's like, here's, take my money. <laughs> it's like, I mean, literally you have to think about that all the time. Everybody should be looking for a great lawnmower. <laughs> all right. All right. Last one, Dr. Eric, energy, man. We love to say energy is everything, right? So the CEO, the chief energy officer, our job is, our job is to collect and direct the energy of our team. This is what's important now. How has that made a difference in your business? I mean, this is, this is, I think if, if I could give you an example that I'm sure every one of you can relate to, you just had your biggest day ever in practice or close to your biggest day ever in practice. And one hour before you close, somebody that just paid in full, like the night before comes in and starts yelling at you for some reason, because you like, uh, you know, hoodwinked their daughter. That's 
just turned 18 into signing this thing and they think you're a scam and they like throw it across the front desk and walk out and you just had your biggest day ever. So you're post huddle, your whole team. And you're like, you know, you come out of adjusting, you're like, what's awesome. Today? <laughs> They're thinking nothing about anything, but like, I can't believe this, just this horrible thing happened or Susie quit or like whatever the worst thing that happened, that entire shift is what they're thinking. And then if you don't, if you're not always on that, it carries over in what's the worst thing that happened this week? What's the worst thing that happened this month? And all of a sudden they think everything's a failure. Like we're a failure are, you know, we're not, you know, we're, we're hoodwinking people. We're, we're screwing people over. Like, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you, if you let that go too long, then people are so negative and it affects your conversions. It affects like, it's just a cancer in your organization. And so my energy is always pointing out the positive, you know, like you're always going to get that. And as you grow, it's just a percentage thing. If 1% of people lose their minds, yep. then when you're, you know, 1% of a thousand is a lot more than 1% of a hundred. So it's just going to be more of that, but you have to stay on top of that with your team and always coming in with like mission. Like how many people's lives did we change today? And that's why it's constantly to every testimonial, you're communicating your team. You have to, for every one negative thing, you need 10 or 20 amazing positive things to reinforce what we're doing and why we're doing it. And man, I don't, I don't know anybody else that does that. Like that, that's from my position, a, a business builder that I've learned, like Dr. John and our team is phenomenal at that. If it weren't for him in the office, it would be a huge lack in that specific category for sure. It's, that's an, it's an awesome observation, right? So we, you know, we need to be t- constantly taking the temperature of our business, of our team, of our practice, of our patients. Right? So we need to be aware of it. You know, the, you have a 360 degree awareness of all times of like, what's the energy right now, right? So, and it seems really nebulous and people can't put their finger on it, but everybody understands it. Everybody knows this is a law of the jungle as well. When the energy's up, the practice is up. When the energy's flat, the practice is flat. When the energy's down, the practice is down. So we have to be sensitive to it and we have to know that we have the accelerator pedal under our foot as the CEO. Like it's literally part of your role is you got to make sure that everybody's energy stays appropriate, right? It's not contrived. It's not, you know, we're not, we're not negating the fact that some negative things are going to be happening. It's just like, you need to just recognize that this is part of it. Right. So we're trying to change, change the planet. And by that, we're trying to change humans, which means we're trying to change that person and everything about their path. Right. So, you know, the reality is, is that it's part of it. Those things are going to happen and setting those expectations from the beginning. It's just like, man, I raised my kids like that. You know, it's like running on the soccer field. It's like, you're going to get hurt. It's part of it. You're going to paddle out and go surfing. You're going to get pounded. That's part of it. Right. And if you don't want to get hit, don't get on the field. Right. So, you know, this is part of our, like you said, mission is, you know, changing the world, changing the lives. We're going to take our licks as we go, but as the CEO, we're not surprised by that. We pre-frame them that, and we got to make sure that we've got, you know, 10 strokes for every poke, right? <laughs> that comes down the pike. Man, Dr. Eric, you're awesome, man. So uh, closing thoughts for our crew. Uh, you're just doing extraordinary work, man. We appreciate you. I think you're such a great representation of chiropractic and what's possible as a chiropractic CEO, a remarkable CEO yourself. Uh, we just appreciate you. Yeah, this was super fun. And uh, I can't have more great things to say about the CEO program. If you're listening and you're, you know, following on the outskirts, you'll go 10 times faster if you just dive in and start doing the work. It's an enormous amount of work. So don't let me make it sound like, you know, all you got to do is sign up and then it's going to be great or it's going to be hand fed to you. 
uh, it's an enormous amount of work, but it, it's, it's an equation that, uh, you know, I, I like to think of it like an equation because math is fine is, is finite. Like it's, it is one plus one equals two. There's no, it doesn't equal anything else. And so when you start to go through the right systems in the right order, the right way, uh, it's the same thing. You're going to get the same result. You're going to create the practice like we've created. You're going to scale it. You're going to have more freedom. The people on your team are going to love being part of it. And, and you can do it in a positive, energetic way. It just, it is how it is. And um, congrats to you guys. And how much work they put into this is unbelievable. Uh, and I can't just say how thankful we are to be on the receiving end of that, even at a practice of our level. You know, we've given for many years um, and it's cool to, to just receive from another level to be able to grow and scale our business too. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Um, so if people want to learn more about SCED, I want to put a link down in the show notes, but for as people are listening, how do they, how do they learn more about SCED? Yeah, you go to www.skedsked.life, L-I-F-E. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or our website. And then there's a link on all of those places uh, to get a... a quick demo or product. Uh, yes. The demo on how it works and how it integrates with your EHR system. And it does a hundred more things than I've even talked about on this show to make your life better and allow you and your team to focus on the people in front of you and give world-class chiropractic care on a daily basis. Awesome. Derek, Dr. Eric Kowalki from SCED, man, we appreciate you. Thank you for helping us help more people, man. Um, I will put the link in the show notes uh, down below. Uh, Until then, guys, make it a remarkable day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Remember, what the world needs now is chiropractic. And what chiropractic needs now is more successful chiropractors. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, share with a friend, and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us personally, direct message us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Now go and be remarkable.